Welcome, y'all, to another Bangover uh, anniversary review, The Gush. I think we're going to start calling it The Plug-In. Leave a comment to let us know what you like better, The Gush or The Plug-In. I guess The Gush is kind of gross. As always, I'm Scott Allen, and I'm here with Chris. And today, you clicked on the episode, and you know what we're doing. We're doing Metallica Injustice for All. Awesome. Um, this album was recorded January 28th through May 1st and was released August 25th, 1988, making it 31 years old. Happy birthday. I was uh, uh, one. I was one year old. Uh, uh, it was recorded. I, I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, it was you one, more, one more year. One more year. This is probably what put your mom into labor was hearing these songs triggered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was recorded a uh, one-on-one recording studio in Los Angeles, and the label was Elektra, which yeah. at the time is kind of like a, not as big as I guess where they went after something like this album probably blew up Elektra album. Did Their they label were they, as was, much as this did for Metallica. Was the next album on Elektra? I couldn't tell you. Oh, they probably I, jumped ship. I need to look at that actually real quick, because... That'd be helpful information. But learning about this, uh, it was very, it was a new thing for a, a small record label like this to have a band that hit the top 10 of the charts. Like, yeah, this is their first album to do so. Mm-hmm. And then I just, uh, the Black album was the follow up, the self titled. So that was also Electra. Yeah. So that was, you know. And wow, like uh, going back and listening to this, it's been a while. And me being, it's fucking Metallica, y'all. Like, <laughs> we're metalheads. Let's talk about it, all right? You love and hate this band. But anyone you ever ask, it's what was your influences? Metallica. Any, any metal band that I listen to nowadays, yeah. you, you talk to Slayer. They would talk about how much they love Metallica when they came out. You, you fucking Simple Tura, That's They rave about that shit. Like, getting these albums like inspired fucking to, for Simple Tura to do what Simple Tura did. And arguably... It's the reason why a lot of these bands got signed was probably because of Metallica blowing up and then record labels finally realizing that, whoa, there's something here. This is an actual market and people want this, so let's go sign some fucking bands. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just Metallica doing it first and then we have Megadeth coming a year later and then so on and so forth. I believe, uh, fix me if I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm right on this, but I think 1984... Or 85 was uh, Reign of Blood. Look it up real quick. Something like that. But um, yes, this is just, this is the album that blew Metallica up, even though we know Metallica from three albums prior, you know. Kill Em All, my favorite. Ride the Lightning, another good one. Your favorite, uh, Master of Puppets. That was, oh, not, yeah. not my favorite, but that was my first, first one okay. that I, I got introduced to Metallica where I actually bought the CD and was like, you know. Let's do it. And listen to it. Hey, who's this Metallica band I hear about? I'm going to buy this album. Looks real cool. You know? Yeah. Check and it out. Fucking, uh, that's another great album. And then it was um, just kind of surprised that this is like the album that really like gave them recognition. Like uh, the whole world kind of knew who Metallica was after this. You know what I mean? Even though you had those three great albums before... And they were saying, like, this is the first of the metal bands, like, mm-hmm. to get signed and uh, get a full-length album done. Like, 
they went on tour with it. Everyone was like blown away that they actually got to go to re like a recording studio and record this fucking album. Like all the interviews, like talk about the Western decline of civilization part two. And they go into great detail because a lot of it, we're talking about this new culture of like metal and thrash and it's spawning off from before, like uh, it was the punk bands and the hardcore. So now we're taking the two elements of like something like uh, the speed of the Ramones in Blacks and then taking the deep tones of Black Sabbath and kind of mixing them together. Mm -hmm. Just a faster, deeper tone, yeah. you know what I mean? Which is like it, I mean, drummers had to like start creating new styles to like keep up with this speed and the intensity of these riffs. Yeah, these uh, thrash beats or like the skank beat is one of them, you know, it's fucking one of my favorite beats. And, uh, you know, it gets further and further along. You go to blast beats and it's fucking awesome. Um, me being a drummer, metal is has to be my favorite genre of music because it's the funnest to play. It's why I'm in metal bands. It's pop. It's why I love playing in metal bands. And it's also like, it sucks too because being a drummer and we were talking about this earlier in a metal band there's a lot riding on your shoulders especially a thrash metal band a death metal band mm -hmm. you have to be probably one of the most talented people in the fucking band to keep up with this your timing is has to be flawless you know what i mean yeah. you can't fuck up especially on shit this fast this complicated you have to be on top of it and it showcased so much we were talking about how in these bands like metallica megadeth uh simple tour even Anthrax, people know who the drummer is. He's known by his name. His face is iconic. He's like a front man. Like everyone that is talented in these metal bands always gets that showcase. Like this is an awesome guitar player. Yeah. But we also have the lead singer, which is fucking awesome too, well, because he's the front of the band. Before, you know? like, before, like you say, all these new techniques, you just have, it is at that time, you know, guitar players and singers kind of kind of coming to the forefront i don't want to say stealing the show or the stage but they're they're the ones that are like being kind of showcased more showcased but like they're they are associated with that group so if you're like you know you're thinking of and a lot of it, it too you know the names of the band are typically that you know in some cases after that person like we were just talking about Jimi hendrix right yeah you know at that time you know uh but like like a Led Zeppelin, you know, you don't think unless you are maybe a drummer, think of John Bonham. If you're just a layman's person or somebody, you even, think of like their names are all iconic. You know what I mean? But even then, I think Robert Plant kind of sticks out maybe to right. like you're just regular guy, Cage, right. like you're like, you know, yeah. Or any other. Uh, I mean, it's hard to because I'm just right now. I'm thinking of band names that are like based on that person. You know what I mean? Where yeah, then that person gets associated with the band. But uh, it's just like, back, it's like Jeff Roll Toll, Jeff or Toll. the Steve Miller band. You know, yeah. it's like Van Halen. Like that. Yeah, it's like it's like named after the person. Yeah, so kind of see where this comes from. But like with metal, uh, it, the drummer is doing a lot more work than these other bands. Then, you know what I'm saying? It, like, imagine if like uh, Jimi Hendrix had an amazing drummer. But amazing. But imagine if his drummer was doing double kicks and like insane shit. Like that is otherworldly type. Right, drummer. Drumming. Like in some cases, like um, two ahead of its time. Right. Uh, uh, the Grand Funk Railroad episode. Like, uh, what a crazy drummer. Still like that old style of yeah. playing, but really just being like 
very, I guess the word would be like punk rock with it and kind of making it a yeah. little bit sloppy. Uh, John Bottom did the same thing. Mm -hmm. He just, he, he knew the classical training, but just, you can't just do that shit. You have to do what is you. You have to play yeah. what is, what is, what makes you unique yeah. as a musician. Find that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Learn all these, these uh, scales, rudiments, mm -hmm. uh, do all the practice and learn all the actual techniques. But at the end of the day, you have to really make it your own. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it means nothing. And you're not going to be any different from any other drummer, which John Bottom like set out to do. Uh, someone like Keith Moon set out to do. Yeah. Where these they become are super so exactly yeah. because of their style is different for the time. And just like Lars, a super iconic yeah. drummer, and everyone and, knows who Lars is. Uh, everyone. I mean, uh, what is it? Just looking up to reference uh, Rain and Blood. That was in '86, and you know, that's Dave Lombardo, and that's becoming a name in the scene. You know what I mean? Like the drummer name. Lars yeah. becomes a name as far as like doing like in this style of music, he in a way becomes like the front head of the band also because that's like a personality thing too. Right. And being these like original founding members, uh, yeah. you know, having Dave, a completely Dave different setup just, at yeah. times, you know, and, but it was always a uh, fucking Kurt Hammock and fucking Lars Ulrich. Like they started Metallica. Yeah. 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 Like, a, um, what, uh, or did I say Kurt Hammond? I meant James Hetfield. James Hetfield yeah. and Lars, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, we smoked some weed before this. Uh, I was gonna say, what was uh, your introduction into Metallica as far as like it them was, as personalities yeah. and like the music? You know what I mean? Because that's where we're. I think when I was getting into rock and roll and then starting to go a little bit heavier with it, like my dad introducing me to. Uh, Motorhead, we had like these cassette tapes and I was like, what is this? What is this? And he was like, oh, Motorhead, that's badass. You should listen to it. Or like the Black Sabbath, I fell in love with like immediately. And then you start to like, you try to find more of this type of music and you always hear the name Metallica, Metallica. And even at that time, like getting into things, I'm like, this is like 98, 99, getting into the 2000s where I'm like really starting to get into this style of music. Metallica is everywhere at this point already. Mm -hmm. we, there was already the Black Album that's being played a lot. So I heard a lot of Metallica, but going and deep diving to hear like those, you know, Kill 'Em All. Like you didn't get that on the radio yeah, yeah. every day, but like finding Kill 'Em All is like, destroy, like I think oh, I see why. Yeah, but it wasn't like the Black Album where sure, a lot, yeah. or like I hear the one uh, from this album a whole bunch as well. Like that, there's we'll get into that first music video they ever did of it. But, you know, I was watching MTV when I was a kid and I saw that music video. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking of MI2 because of them doing the song um, Fuel, you know, <laughs> and the music video of them on the cliff. And I loved action movies. And that's how I found a lot of my music was through mo movies and mm -hmm. Video games and like uh, you were saying, uh, skate like skate tapes. You know what I mean? Yeah, just pop culture. At the yeah, time. they're it's just like, like these yeah. songs that are in the background. And you're like, what the Horror fuck culture. is that? You know, it's like uh, kind of how I like really got into Rammstein was because of like Triple X and just seeing them play in the beginning of that movie and the flame masks. And I'm like, holy shit! You know, uh, was it Ace Ventura and Cannibal? Who yeah. knew? It, like exactly from an early age, same, like same. Yeah, yeah. Where you like. Uh, maybe didn't realize it then, but exactly. going back but and you're like, like, holy shit, you know, it was, it was like, one I of forgot those. Cannibal Corpse was in this. Yeah. And then you're, you just things that are in, that get introduced 
to you in other forms than straight up just the music. And maybe you pick up on it then, but you, you've heard it and you know yeah, what it, you know, you hear it again somewhere else. You're like, Oh God, I, I've heard that. Or I know what that is. That, yeah. And I want to dig deeper. And it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. And again, this is, uh, this is kind of like classic rock and probably why I don't hold them like as one of my favorite thrash metal bands in someone in my mind. I fucking kill them all definitely, but I'd rather go more Slayer, Simbultura at times mm-hmm. or Megadeth because, you know, I'm kind of more Megadeth me. But um, these were like when I first started playing drums, again, these are some of the songs that like I had to like people, guitar players wanted to play and I had to like learn the drums for. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Black Album guitar players of... The people I were playing with at the time were doing that, you know? Yeah. And like I said, it was a uh, Leonard Skinner. We would get with some Metallica. Uh, we would do some Jimi Hendrix. The weirdest thing is that we never did any Grand Funk Railroad. And I'm just thinking maybe because those people were like, I can't even. <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot a going lot. on there. Yeah, there's so, a lot. It- but there's a lot going on here. But when I say we were doing like Metallica songs, we would pick like easier Metallica songs. Yeah. Uh, the Black Album is a lot more straightforward and friendlier to listen to than this album because if you don't know you've never listened to this album before what's the shortest song on here seven minutes six minutes yeah uh the title track song is nine minutes and 53 seconds what's dryer's eye is 513 that's the yeah that's the shortest song and did you say the longest one the longest one is Injustice for All, for sure, right? Um, I think is there it, one longer. Yeah, uh, to live is to die is nine forty eight. Holy with, fuck! And Justice for All is nine forty six. This takes two seconds yeah, longer. This but, takes a little bit of a a, a trained ear to yeah. kind of listen to some of those songs. Probably hence why that's Injustice why for All is the, not a radio title. album. Yes, it, you can even play that on the radio. Like you have ten minutes to spend to play this on the radio. You could have did three other songs, mm-hmm. you know? Radio Friendly is two minutes In and 50 and seconds and like three minutes mm-hmm. and three minutes and 30 seconds between those time frames, Like three minutes, a perfect time, three minutes and 30 seconds is about as long as you want to mm-hmm. go when it comes to radio songs because that's just how I mean, it is. You're, when you're, I listened to the radio when I was a kid, I would know like, oh, I'm like, oh, this song's on the radio. Fuck yeah. But I know the song so well, like they would cut out parts. Yes. Yes. They would cut out solos. Save them time and save. Dude, solos would be chopped out just to save time because these songs were like six, seven minutes long. Mm -hmm. But these songs are so big and like hit the top of the charts. Mm, You still need to find a way to put it on the radio. And I hated this part where disc jockeys were start talking at the end of the song to come back into it as the song's fading away in the background. Mm, so it saved them time. Yeah. Instead of having but, a space, you could just... When it comes to thrash metal, those are the best parts. It's like that very end is where they do something like very cool to like end this song. They mm-hmm. never just really end a song in thrash metal. They have to like fucking... It's like we're tearing down this structure the entire time we're listening to it, and this is like the last fucking board, and it just goes, clack, and that's all you hear. You know, yeah. it's like... I don't want to like fucking hear you faded out. Yeah. But I get it. Uh, some of the singles on here were The One. Yeah, it was uh, One, I Have the Beholder, I believe, and... Harvesters of Sorrow. Harvesters of Sorrow, which uh, 5.45 for that one, and then I Have the Beholder is 6.26. So those are still really long songs. Yeah. Probably not getting at the time. How long is uh, The One? Um, that is 726. Holy shit. So the music video has to be shortened. 
I'm, I'm, I'm for sure on this because when they were recording the music video, they had to do three separate versions of it. And they didn't really get into if they were like cutting out like uh, parts of the song to shorten it and commercialize it. It was more like different types of music videos because they didn't know what they were going to like. This is like their first music video. And let's get into like that Electra thing where fucking Electra just left it pretty much all up to Metallica to do yeah. whatever the fuck they want. They, they were like, those- here's your money. Go do what you've been doing. Two, we're gonna fucking leave you alone. We're not gonna have a record. classic yeah. albums right before. Yeah, they're not so. gonna have some guy go in there and like tell you like, hey, we should probably change this around so we could start selling more units. It's like Metallica knows what they're doing. Yeah. Plus, Elektra is not that big label that's gonna come in and interfere because they've been doing this for so long. They know exactly what they're fucking want. You know, they're a small label in the sense of around these giant fucking labels pulling out. I mean, shit that was coming out in this time. You know, it was like a lot of like 80s pop still. Like these are the songs at the top of the charts and we're starting to move into the 90s, but nothing like this was like mainstream. Like metal was still underground. Metallica was still underground at this time. Yeah. It was this album that blew them up, you know what I mean? And put them, forward them into the next wave is why we get the Black Album and why the Black mm-hmm. Album sounds that way. It's because probably of songs like The One and the commercial success of this album and trying to figure out how to like, okay, we had like three singles. How do we get more? And arguably like the entire Black Album is a fucking, every song is a single off that bitch. You know what I mean? Well, this album did change the way the band kind of like looked at music and writing because this is the last foray into nine ten minute long songs right. because yeah. now they're gonna start stripping and people were exactly. calling them like oh sellouts i mean you know? yeah, also not Cut only about radio but then live how do you ever play these songs like you your set list if you got an hour an hour and a half set and two songs are 20 minutes it's yeah. like dude now you only have an hour 10 and then what you play another song off this album one which is the 726, that's 30 minutes almost right there. Just on those three songs. Yeah, so essentially they, they could just pick like uh, 13 songs. Yeah, so you you know what I mean? your set list is dwindling down. You as a band, you're, you know, they would walk off stage, you know, we're never playing that song again because that's... It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's great to listen to on the album because you can like put on some really good headphones, you know, get your bong, sit in your little beanbag chair and slam on your fucking favorite vinyl and just fall into this because there's so many elements. It's so colorful. I absolutely love the way this album is structured song-wise. They start to become musical geniuses in a sense to like really making it like an orchestra. It's, It's super operatic. There's all these crazy time signatures when I was like, oh, it's like, I think it comes in on like three or four and it came in in like two and a half. Yeah. It was like they did two and then I was like, okay, one more. And then halfway through that one, they just went right into mm-hmm. it. And they do that constantly throughout this. If the song Blacken, they, they start to change the way that time structure is. That song is, the riff is set up for something like that. It's already syncopated. You know what I mean? Mm. The drums syncopate with it and it creates this fucking cool thing. And then you do the dun 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 you know they could use it once they can use it twice they they throw it here they throw it there and then they break it down to something completely different there's Mm -hmm. i wish i would have just sat down and count the different parts like if i was to map it out like one of our songs first course verse, whatever what they're it would probably be the entire fucking page and 20 different parts you know what i mean 
I love the way it's structured. It's, it's, it's starting it's to get more complex, awesome. and it's probably the most complex songwriting that they've done to right. this point. You know, like as you know, with the long songs being epic, and it's like know. put a cap on this. These four albums. Here's the end of this. Got to go on and do something new. Mm-hmm. Can't keep doing this. You know what I mean? We can't make what are we going to make? You know, I think uh, Robert Trujillo in an interview said he like viewed this as like a concept album for him, you know, because mm. like that's the way he thought of it when he like listened to it and first listened to it and looked at the album art while listening to it. He envisioned like a concept and maybe that kind of is the end where you know what I mean? Maybe it kind of was in a way where it's like this heavy idea concept of songwriting that then gets pushed aside for simpler radio friendly good riffs you know the iconic riffs still heavy still heavy they're still heavy but just not we're not gonna we're not gonna instead of 17 riffs in one song we're gonna have 10 right you know start stripping they they already were stripping the fat when it came to writing because then you would have all these tapes of james and you know whatever of just riff ideas yeah so then you're stripping those away so now it's just that idea of stripping that even further down taking these nine minute songs and make them a five four minutes but still like learning i think at this point they've learned so much and they're they're becoming geniuses with the yeah. way they write and structure that now they can take it and don't get like they simplified the black album, but still these they do what they do on this album. There's still crazy time signatures, mm-hmm. crazy breakdowns. They always got that drum thing going on in between things that are pretty it's kinda like iconic for them to do that like bum bum da, 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 you know? It's like yeah. it's so many songs. They still do it, but they make it a little bit like their structure wise is just a little bit easier to listen to. You know, we do the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse yes, kind of thing. Very... We're, we're going we're gonna to make it more like how Aerosmith kind of does songs. Aerosmith was super complicated and trippy yeah. back in the day, getting into the 90s, really being complicated and having those cool riffs, but like making your structure kind of a little bit more simple for mm-hmm. people. It's easier listening. Yeah. I because think... at first listen to this, if I was to try to show someone the first time, there's reaction videos online of like old people listening to this and they're like, <laughs> oh, I don't like this at all. You know, <laughs> or like, like or people that are into hip hop and they listen to this album, they're like, holy shit, this is crazy because it is fucking crazy, but that's why I love it. And like, that doesn't sell to the world though. Yeah. Crazy doesn't sell to the world. Unique and interesting doesn't sell to the world. It's my favorite stuff is because I'm a musician mm-hmm. and I get bored with easy listening stuff and I can see I could see the behind the scenes magic because I am a musician. So it takes away a lot. But when you get something like this, I have to like go and be like, I'm fascinated because I don't know how they pulled this off. Like like you said, how do you remember all these parts on they, stage? I yeah, I think uh there's like Jason Newstead and stuff would be, you know, as quoted as like, you can't, it's, you know, you can't for, stop playing the song and then just all of a sudden start playing. It's like a whole nother learning process to like get back into the swing of playing these songs unless you are like, you know, some of the songs they're playing probably every night because of how classic they are. So they've got them kind of under their right. belt pretty good. But Well, at the time they were recording know. this as well, they were uh, on the uh, Monsters of Rock tour. Mm-hmm. So they were coming in and out of the studio as they were playing shows at the same mm-hmm. time. So 
they were constantly just working fucking hard just and playing. Yeah, playing. probably you know at the top of your game, you're like exactly you're you're playing shows and recording at the same time, so you're just it's like how do you not, re- not remember? You know what I mean? True. This is like ingrained in you, like you wrote it as well. You so it, it's getting to that point where maybe if they would have put out another album like this and kept that motif going, maybe then they're like bridging into that progressive almost death metal kind of thing it would start to get there right we're not necessarily in the maybe speed aspect but like just the songwriting technicality where there's just so many pieces to the song and they weave in and out kind of seamlessly because like you were saying they they were stripping they were taking those song structures and stripping them and it's like you take that verse riff that's got three parts to it so not only you know three like sections in the verse encompassing it instead of or you take that and then you strip all those other ones away so now let's just make it one or something you know make right. it a classic sort make of rock and roll yeah. yeah but because that's what's Stream going line. on in this like where you're you're talking about those little in-betweens let's do it one let's do it two they're they that, becoming like super mathematical yeah like it's there's, becoming it's turning into like math rock it's like exactly. getting to a prog state but they'll do it them doing heavy riffs is the only reason why it's still metal you know what i mean it's that, taking that tuning taking hard memorization because you know there's in some parts of the song i was having you know just counting in my head at certain parts and how many times they're playing it there'll be like those little interstitial sections those little in-between parts that they're doing once they do it once, and then they do it for a third time, but this time it's two times. And this is in like a six-minute song. So you're having to remember all of this shit. Yeah, but again, I would think if you wrote the song, it would probably... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We're looking at it on the outside. Like like when you listen to a band like Mars Volta, and you, true, if, true. You had to, if you got to sit down and talk to any of the members and be like, how do you come do you up with this, this stuff? And they're just like, oh, it's just that's just what we do. It, it seems normal to us. It, set, it looks crazy and complicated to everyone else, but yeah. this is kind of like very easy for us to come up with this stuff. It's, it's, it's natural for them mm-hmm. to be like this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and being that super fan and just looking at it like, oh my God, you know, like mm-hmm. this is insane. And it's incomprehensible how you're like doing it and like, True. Or like income. What am I trying to say? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I wanted to point out though that. Thinking about it, uh, most thrash metal bands are not consistent with their albums. Simbletura, the sound moves from Arise into Chaos AD. It's almost two different sounds. Like Arise is the heaviest. Beneath the Remains, is mm-hmm. even, it's, it's as heavy, but it's a little bit slower and darker. And, and then Chaos AD is wide open and yeah. fucking like more of this classic rock sound, yeah. if you will. Uh, even Slayer, they always got criticized because of After Rain and Blood, they do like... Uh, I think it's, um, I'm sorry, South of Heaven is the next one. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? You slow it down. You know what I mean? And I never, I never understood that. Everyone's like, oh, I'm, I'm good after seasons. Like, like, I don't like anything past seasons. Or I, I, I stopped listening to at Seasons of the Abyss. And I'm blown away by this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? You know, and it's like, they just changed their sound. Metallica was very consistent, more so than any of those bands with these first four albums. It stayed very consistent, and they're really on the money. They they got their finger on the pulse, and they know exactly what to do. They're fucking geniuses when it comes to that, and that's why they're one of the biggest metal bands. That's why they're so they're still selling out arenas. It's because they were fucking smart and and figured out a way to market what they're doing, 
and to know what to what metal fans want exactly what to you know take I mean? out and what to leave in yeah it's like and know. no one else knew that yeah even uh we were talking about megadeth it, it gets real wacky on some of the albums like he does you know uh, uh rust in peace or um i'm sorry um peace sells for who's buying and that's the second album but then we go for like so far so good so what and it's almost a completely different album in it's, a way a lot of cover songs we do that. get in your darkest in my darkest hour but that's pretty much all we really get yeah from that album that's the same we get year fun as this songs album. but nothing that cool oh jack yeah. jack's here with us everyone just a little coffee and, and that album is the same year so you you kind of see the i i think we were kind of off camera talking about megadeth and metallica and how like they're kind of both like oh you want me to get into it they, they are uh helping, they're helping each other in a way unknowingly it's a lot of competition between it's, them, but in i think my it's, mind in some ways yes. hell, you know competition breeds the best best product i was thinking and i was totally wrong that like a song like black uh blacken is definitely like it's one of my favorite metal songs of all time but i think it was in response to uh megadeth and what megadeth was doing and metallica had to keep up now looking back at it and we doing this cross-reference research it's quite the opposite it's kind of like Meta uh, Megadeth is trying to keep up with Metallica. Yeah. Metallica is too far ahead for Megadeth to even catch up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, all their albums are like, this album comes out before uh, Rust in Peace. So Rust in Peace, in a way, is a response to Injustice, Injustice for, for all. all. And thank God, because Rust in Peace is one of my favorite albums of all time. You know, mm -hmm. if, if any way that there was like some conflict between them, they were motivating each other. Exactly, yeah. And we're getting better albums because of the, it. We, the yes. fans, yeah. them themselves are also writing better material. Yeah. That after uh, that album, Megadeth album, then Metallica puts out the Black album. And then the following year, Megadeth puts out Countdown to Extinction. Right, which is just which like is, how the Black album is. Is amazing. Yeah. So, it, like, these both these bands are just fueling each other and each other's albums to be. I was know, thinking, like, you think Metallica like was listening to like Rain of Blood and was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> and, like we gotta we gotta write a song like Blacken, <laughs> you know? Because Blacken, it's a hell of a riff. Mm -hmm. First song we listened to, y'all, just that fucking super fucking fast, and the drums so are going. Fast. You get that double fucking bass, and it's just like yeah, yeah. And you just, know, the only thing I would Woo. say with like Slayer at the time, if you're in the thrash scene, you're you're looking like in the guitar realm, like as far as that, I'd be like like those solos are just insane. Like they're it's it's complete the, chaos. The uh, Slayer solos. Slayer solos, whereas Metallica solos are trying to be a little bit more like musical. You know, they're trying to yeah, they're not add to burning the music. down a guitar, I guess. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, it. it the, that would be the only thing where like Metallica definitely couldn't keep up in that realm because that's just that that's that style and where like Slayer, while it is like thrash and some it's even yeah to some points Slayer where Slayer doesn't like, have a lot of uh, dynamics when it comes to their songs themselves. It's it's yeah. full steam ahead. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're like a little slower, but you're yeah. You know what I mean? It all has like a consistent like it's, yeah. Their structure is very basic in a way mm -hmm. comparing to. Something like Injustice for All, where it is a crazy, wacky fucking structure. And I don't think Slayer could write songs like that. No. 
but I don't think so. I mean, yeah, they were Slayer amazing out, fucking Slayer songs. could outspeed them any yeah. day of the week. Like, I'm, I'm sure Lars is doing a lot of this drum stuff that he's doing in this album because we're like, fuck, we love the double bass on this album. We love what Lars is doing. Yeah. Maybe not what it sounds like, but what he's doing. But you have to think he, he heard fucking Dave Lombardo and he was like, I got to kick Holy it up Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I think as far as the drums, I think the drums on Rain and Blood blow these mm. drums out of the water performance wise and even tone wise and we can get but, into the sound of but the dave drums, lombardo but. is god like lars is known all around the world but it's just second to him is dave lombardo we know lars thrash metal drummers and then we know dave lombardo and dave lombardo they're the opposite people you totally. know what i mean super I think- nice and humble person asshole don't steal my music fuck you get out of my face i'm going to turn down this bass to absolutely no volume in this mix yeah. And then we go back to Dave Lombardo, and he's like, yeah, I'll play with you. Fucking just filled in for the Misfits. Uh, I don't, suicidal Tendencies. Um, doing the fucking uh, coming back with Mr. Bungle and playing on that. Like, yes, he, recently. He'll play with it, anyone. Yeah. He's super humble. It's a tragedy what happened to him between him and Slayer. Did the my Melvin's mind. thing for a second? Yeah, the Melvin's thing? Cool, man. Yeah, he can Fuck. play with anybody and everybody. Uh, if I'm looking at both them, him and Lars, if I'm a drummer... Starting out, I see Lars as like the, smarter business the, wise. The influence, um, as far as influence and stuff, like that's the songs you're learning to kind of like the metal songs, like you said, that are easy to get into. But then there's the 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 Dave Lombardo songs, which are like you need to already know Lars Ulrich type level playing before you can get to Dave Lombardo type stuff level. Yeah, playing. you know what I mean. Like I'm sure Dave Lombardo was listening to Kill 'Em All. I was like, oh, fucking cool, you know, and like. It kind of inspired him because uh, everybody's I didn't know just if you knew this, amping each other this, up. But uh, the first album, Show No Mercy, a Slayer, he didn't know how, like, he wasn't comfortable playing double bass. He had a double bass pedal, like, he was going to set it up, but was, he, he was going to leave it off of the demo. He was going to, like, they were about to record it, and he was just like, it was uh, literally fucking Gene Hoogland was like, hey, why aren't you using your double bass pedal? And he's like, I'm just not really comfortable with it, so I'm just not going to use it because I, I don't, I don't want to, like, look like a fool, make mistakes, try to do something I'm not, like, confident with. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like, Gene Hoogland, like, kind of coached him as, like, are you thinking about your left leg? You should be thinking about your left leg. Like, this is how you can kind of, like, get it flowing. Uh, teaching him how to set the pedal even further back to really get that recoil so you can get that really fast double bass because that's what you need is a lot of stomp and your uh, drum head to be really fucking tight. But the funnest thing was is that Gene Hoogland was there during the recording of that, and he had to hold the drum set because it kept sliding all over the place. Mm. So when he goes back and listens to the album, all he can think about is Dave just hammering that snare right in his fucking ear as he's trying to hold the drum set in place so it doesn't slide away from the microphones. It's fucking super cool love stories like yeah. that. Great, great production stories yeah. of rock and roll. But that being said, let's get into another song For because sure. uh, this might be a, a fuck, I can't even pick which one's my favorite between this in black end, you know, because yeah. this is cool. Um, We're going to do Eye of the Beholder.
That's what I'm talking about. That's how you end a fucking song, dude. The last 15 was like, fuck yes, yeah. dude. And then just clack, done. House is destroyed. Yeah. We're, it's fucking structure is fucking torn yeah. down. Uh, we were talking about this song, like how much we just love. We were just sitting there waiting for that fucking verse to come in and uh, how his vocals sound. It is it's so fucking cool. Catchy. The riffs are good. The drumming. I mean, for, oh, fucking like, love the drumming. Drumming is great on this song. Yeah. It's not a. Uh, it's, it's it's perfect it's, it's flawless it's, it's complicated when yeah. it needs to be yeah he's not using that double bass pedal the whole time but when he's using it it's really like tasteful mm -hmm. and the snare hits like want, you were yeah. commenting on how they're a little off or he does some off like, time snare hits so. and i just love his little like 
on the cymbal and snare, like in this, like I think he does it like on a four or something, like at the end of the four and just like ding right in, you know, it's like they're so known for that. Like yeah. that's kind of his style, the Lars Ulrich style, playing. you know, of playing. Have you seen live videos of him play? Like, yeah. like now, but like even in his eight, he still is like standing up and doing this shit. Like, oh, he's, he's so excited and hyped. Yeah. He's like doing the kick. And, he really does like, have all the energy in the world, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. But the way he he's also like playing that shit, like, he, like he's like jumping up and like doing things like most drummers are, you know, pretty stationary. This guy is like standing up and playing, running around the set. Like, he always does that still yeah. to this day. Yeah. And you always, you always see that like after every song, he'll stand up with the sticks and be like, woo, you know, like yeah. fucking dah, like end it all epic drummer like and just make definitely like what I was saying, like his business sense, how he, uh, he, uh, made his image is so smart. If he came up with that on his own, like so fucking smart. He's that's why he's a millionaire is because he made this image for himself. He's known as laws Ulrich. Yeah. Like everyone knows laws Ulrich, you know, have you seen that video of him? Uh, I think it's him, uh, where like, it's one, I don't know what song it is, but, they get into a breakdown part and there's two drum sets on stage. Like they, cause he have like two sets or something. I don't know. Like we just runs over to the other and one. And like a skateboard, he skateboards. No, <laughs> he literally like, in, it's in the song. Like he starts on one set and I like, there's a breakdown this. part where it's like the guitars are going and it's, you know, whatever, there's a little space and he runs to the other set and starts like immediately as it comes in. Like he makes it just in time to like, See, that's super cool and awesome, and it's so different from like just playing these songs the same way all the time, or every show has to be exactly the same. They yeah. really do set up this idea of like, how do we make it different? The theatrics of going, like, you know? they, they were a thrash band that really did that. I mean, because they were playing to a huge audience. You need right. to play to the guy in the, in, at the back, so you're playing to, so, I mean. Plus, this is, this is Metallica. You're supposed to be the loudest, heaviest yeah. thing on earth. Like, you're the fucking the weight that pulls down the world at this time all eyes are on you yeah like you're that band in the scene um seeing something weird yeah there was a there was a guy behind you (laughs) (laughs) just looking through the window guys recording a podcast you mind if i join you like metallica weirdest shit i've ever seen he literally hey you guys got an extra cigarette what the fuck man i'm in my house he literally leaned over your balcony i'm just like you're, you're staring <laughs> behind my back is uh, he still there no, he left afraid that, to look he's doing something though he's pacing <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah we gotta finish uh, up this episode before we get robbed oh my god uh, that was the funniest shit all right well, let's get into a little bit of the production of this album and some of the uh behind the scenes of like uh the controversy of this uh when I was doing some research, they said this was a very hard album to record. They had a lot of struggle in it. And this is also the first time of recording without Cliff Burton. Shout out to Cliff Burton, probably yeah. one of the best bass players of all time. He, he made that shit sound like, when they first heard Cliff Burton play, they were like, they thought he was playing a guitar. It sounded yeah. like, when I first heard he just, it, sounded you've like seen him shit. play, it's yeah. just like, holy shit, you know? And having to replace a fucking such a dear friend and the tragedy that happened yeah. and that whole thing, it had to that, be hard to come back, you know? And, and this is your first time back in the studio and now you got this new bass player. New guy. But there's no reason to do what they did. Yeah, there's I mean, no it's excuse. Like, Jason didn't kill Cliff and that's what it almost feels like. They're blaming him. 
for well, nothing. Take, taking out frustration maybe because you are filling those shoes. And yeah. it's like, you know, they're putting him through this hazing sort of a mentality That's ritual so type thing of like, you know, he's the new guy in this successful about to literally break. Like, you know, this is the breaking point. They're reaching, they reached the top 10 with this album so that, he, you know, he's jumped on the train with them. And this train yeah. that Plus, Cliff probably Burton, still a bunch of alcoholics at this time. True, yeah. but you know, so they're they're just putting him through unnecessary stuff, whatever it may be, and you know, in the physically or in the outside of the music, but in the music, they are also tormenting him by you know taking out his bass and turning down his fucking bass. He didn't even get to Almost record. Nothing. He recorded with the assistant engineer. Didn't even get to record with the main engineer or producer you know what i mean he was completely like just put on yeah just the back burner do the bass just go do it we need it they probably wrote all the parts too people say this is what you're playing oh that was another point of the controversy is okay well if james or whoever's writing the riffs and telling jason and telling what you know to play right at least in jason's case if he's playing the same thing and in james's words that's why they're taking out the bass is because it's it's canceling out his guitar, his guitar, his rhythm. the frequencies are overlapping and I'm already have a deep Shit guitar rhythm. Excuse. Yeah. And that's kind of a cop out excuse. You know, there's no way, or there's no reason there's no why, reason why yeah. you couldn't EQ things differently. Especially if you wrote these fucking bass lines to fit into this song, how being geniuses that you are and then being like, it doesn't how work. Much music has been work, made up, how, much, how much thrash music has been made up until this point to then use that as an excuse. For real. The bass doesn't fit with my guitar playing. Okay, because you have something something magically happened in the past, whenever, before the last album, Master of Puppets, when there was bass, something happened where your guitar playing changed and or you, your gear changed and now it doesn't sound good with a bass guitar. Or if the riffs are the same, if this is the same guitar riff and bass riff that's being played and that's canceling each other out. Then do then, something different. Then do something different. Tell Jason to do something different. And He's try a talented and fucking bass player. How about the guitar you does something different? I don't know. I, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, Why even have a bass in the mix if you're just going to completely gonna take, take it away? It I heard a little bit of it just because I, I have a little bit of a trained ear. But then again, I don't know. If that's what I'm hearing is the bass. Uh, th- this is one of the biggest... Uh, jokes that people make like right, I, yeah yeah it's this album no is yeah is uh it would have been notor- so much better with bass notorious yeah. just for it you know so many interviews questions like it's the first question that the band gets asked about this album it's the first question the engineers are getting at jason gets asked about this album all the time you yeah know, it's, it's super like because everyone's like oh fuck where is the bass and you can hear the hollowness mm-hmm. in it because of that bass taken away and there's mm-hmm. a lot of these choppy ass fucking we it's it's a fine distortion but it's just very high and, and gritty and you don't have no deep no undertone yeah there's, there's no, no low end and you know it's a sh- it's a shame i think there are there's fans that have like remastered or recut like went in and put in and some put bass. in bass or <laughs> amplified whatever was there but but as we know they that they uh what a multi-layer track this five times so reopening the files they're yeah completely like a, scattered a, you can't a, you can't fix this five take or five track tape or something like that so they uh, you know either way they're doing they're cutting tape they're you know you're yeah there's no way it. to go back in and, and like do this years later without just pretty much re-recording the entire album. I mean, There's no way to add this in. 
I don't even uh, and, who knows where those masters even sound are, you know, as good as still, it needs to sound. Yeah. So, you know, we're left with, I haven't actually listened to this box set remaster. It's a weird like, box set. So uh, like the physical condition of it. Cause you know, there's like so many, there's like CDs, there's LPs, there's digital, like you get everything when you buy the box set. I think like multi-format, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like maybe the vinyl has, a more warmer, deeper sound. You can kind of hear the bass easier. I don't know, but even what we've been listening to is a remastered. Unless yeah. we have this, it's a di- the yeah, first the vinyl rem- prints. Like we're not going to get yeah. that sound, or you know, or at least or know what that sounds like, it, if you will. Yeah, because that that came out last year for the 30th anniversary, and that was just this big, like super deluxe. Any everything and everything had a booklet. All, all the, the the album on multi formats, you know, multiple DVDs, multi, just shit you probably don't even need. Yeah, there. live performances yeah, of so. all these songs. Um, you can pretty much just tell when they went back and remastered. All they did was clean it up a little bit, took out some of that that I guess fuzz in between. Really made each like riff so crisp, each uh, drum hit so precise. Yeah, and it does sound very well uh, produced. It sounds a little overproduced in a way well, to where I know they were going for this garage band sound, yeah. but that's what maybe we can't hear. Like we can hear some of it, but this remaster does clean it up and it sounds big and powerful. And when I think about garage sound, like it's not this loud on my headphones, you know what I mean? I'm not going to get that. Like if I'm going to turn it up all the way on those, gr- that, that kind of like that black metal sound or that lo-fi and it's just, it's loud, but it's not, there but if i turn this up it will blow my fucking headphones up dude and you can feel it. you can hear it when i take it out of my ear yeah. you know what i mean i when i play uh drums and i put in headphones like i can't play any of those songs that sound like that because they're so low in volume that my drums just go over i gotta get something like this to where it's like louder than my it's drums. louder but it's yeah. clear it's not distorting it's like not distorted yeah. yeah it's it's i this i really like albums like that a lot more i know yeah people have a preference. Like, I like it to be dirty. That's kind of what black metal does, is like you take a really good sound like this and then look, turn it into shit, if you will. And it's not my forte. I, I, like, I, like, I like precision. I like clean. Yeah. I like, like very well structured. And, and I know it takes away a little bit of the feel, but not always because of what they're doing is so complicated, these, yeah. these time signatures. It's, it still feels... Um, genuine and like on the moment but with metal i think you need a a clean precise sound for something like blast beats you can't have a distorted sound for it just sounds like one whole sound you don't hear individual hits the faster you get the more clean you need to make things the guitar all the rest of the music can really clutter it up if it's not like finely tuned to like interact in that part with the drums well if it's if it isn't produced correctly, you know, then yeah. it would have this kind of wall of sound noise instead of it being more in, intelligible and you can kind of like hear individual, individual pieces of what's heads, going on. Uh, guitar riffs, the, you know, the, I mean? like the nuance of the performance instead of it just beating you over the head, like literally just a wave of noise. Yeah. I think uh, this, like, we were talking about like metal at the time. This is definitely a more dynamic album where it's like, even when it is like super distorted, they're like the pauses they're taking the like quick little interstitial, like, uh, or like whatever, yeah. you know, where it's just like 
staccatic type of uh, notes, and but the drums are doing it with the guitar, so it's like, you know, it it is have this like syncopated, synced up feel, where the dynamics of like like it took other away, stuff at the yeah. time is just kind of driving it's taking away a lot of the dirtiness of like the prior albums too like uh ride the lightning kill mm-hmm. them all where there's this this grit you can hear it in the recording this sense of like scummy dirty uh there's a punk rock feel to mm-hmm. it you know and it and it goes fast and intense and then sometimes it just becomes all one sound because it's so nuts yeah. this is more clean precise figuring out exactly what we're going to do and probably why we get to the Black Album after this, because figuring all that out, it's like, oh shit, now we just, we clicked over to the other side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To where we're gonna like lose that, uh, that old school grind that we used to be of this nasty sounding band. And then everyone did it after this. Like, uh, fucking Testament, you know what I mean? Like, t- they did yeah. that, that was the first album I bought was, a uh, what was it? Something of Souls. Was uh, it Red? No, it has no. like the guys in the robes on it. It's like, um, I want to say Harvesters of Souls, but it's like, it's something Souls, but it's like their 1990 album and fuck, it sucks. You know what I mean? It's like, it's clean. It's not, it doesn't have any of that scumminess Mm. that prior, like that this type of music was inspired by punk bands and punk bands were in no way, shape or form clean. And even going and recording other albums, punk bands are still, it's still dirty. I listened to uh, 2013's uh, Black Flag and they kept that same sound. Even though we have the technology today, it still sounds like how Black Flag sounded back then. This is Black Flag sound, you know what yeah. I mean? And they just lose a little bit of that to become more of a production value, more of a mainstream type of figurehead, easy listening to in some ways, you know, like anyone can get this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Listening and be like, oh, I know what they're, what's going on. Yes. If I put on the Bad Brains first album, you'd be like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Because it's super to? lo-fi, super weirdly recorded. Things are like probably overlapping yeah. musically, exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, I think yeah, there's that. I also, when it comes to just the sound of the album, there's like things, nitpicky things that I'm like I picked out and hear, yeah. you know, where it's like maybe I wouldn't have made that decision. The drums, like performance-wise. Pretty pretty good. There's not like any time slips or anything that like that. That story is ridiculous. The yeah, I mean the story of him of Lars and the engineer going in there and nailing down this the sound. And then uh I think I don't know or maybe it was the producer, but then they come back, show it to the engineer of the session. Um I don't have his name on hand. But uh, he listens to it is like, what is this? This drum sound. He goes in, redoes the whole drum sound. Uh, yeah, he, he makes everyone leave the room, yeah. and James is still there, and he's like, fuck that, and just deletes everything that Lars set up of this, like him dialing in his own drums, and this no. is how I want it to sound. That guy's like, this is ridiculous, yeah. and he erases. And then they re, like do some songs, and they come back in, and they're over-listened to it, and Lars is like, stop. What happened to my drum sound? And he was like, wait, what? Were you serious about that? Were you like actually serious about that's what you actually wanted to do with the drums? And he was like, yeah. So they had to uh, set back again. Yeah. Yeah. Go back in and get exactly what Lars wanted on his drums instead of just listening to the fucking engineer. And the whole time the engineer is going through this with the band in constant arguments of like, why are you turning down the fucking bass? He wants the bass. He has a vision for the band. Like as far as like, this is what I He's the producer. He's the guy looking on the inside out. He... 
he does this for a living. Take his. I don't know. Advice. I don't think he was the producer. That's no, I, I mean, think he was just, he was just engineer. an engineer, like, kind of a slash producer in the sense yeah. that you're there. Well, you're, but you're not trying doing to lend your hand. You're like, this is what this is what typically we would do, right? You would have the base set at this level, and then they're going, they're telling him, "Hey, turn it down three six dB." It's and, so much bullshit. And he has to follow those orders because it's the band that's actually producing it themselves. Right. And in his mind, the engineer, it's the band, of course, has the final say of the product. I can give as much input and, hey, I would do it this way. But it's I, not up to him. But they if, would just fire his ass and get someone else exactly. to come in there if he pushed back too And hard. he actually wanted to – I think he did want to oh, quit. Oh, yeah, he walked out of the studio so many and times just like this is fucking he, bullshit. He wanted to he quit. He arguments with Lars. You know, didn't want like, his name to be associated with this because it's not what he would do. This is not represent him. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? If somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh, the bass is not there. What this is – who did this? It sounds who like shit. This? Like, and who then, fucked this up? Yeah. Right? And now and his name's in him. the notes. Yeah. And it was your responsibility to make sure these levels were correct. And at what the we time, need, what, there's no internet. what we need. We don't no. know that. We, you know, unless you're in the room then. That's why going back, there's so many interviews and they talk about this album is because mm-hmm. people want to know what the fuck what happened? happened. What the fuck happened, dude? And we watched an interview with the, the uh, engineer mm-hmm. and how at the end of all of it, he just said – so frustrated at the end, chopped and fucking finished the album, chopped it, fucking put it out there, fucking done. God damn it. I hate this shit. Like, hated it. But he really wished he just wasn't that frustrated and went back and mixed it and mastered it a little bit himself, like in the way that he thought it should sound, just to have that. Just to have it there. You know what I mean? Just to, just to do it, and even if no one liked it, it will still be on a, like, recorded on a fucking like in a box somewhere saved mm-hmm. like this is a remastered reversion of this album where the bass got turned up but he yeah. didn't do that you know what i mean because we could have went back and grabbed that now and people would be like oh like let's pull this out like another version of this album which people would probably be excited to hear i don't know if metallica would actually do yeah it. i mean it's i i think we i think fans would like to hear a you know jason newsted being brought up in this fucking mix yeah um and i really think it's unfair for metallica to do that and their excuses or yeah those are some of the the lamest things i've ever heard and to not admit that you were wrong is even worse well i mean you could have just it's been fucking 31 years now you could just been like sorry man we were being dicks that uh we did it out of spite that mixing engineer they never said that there was no real apology his name was steve thompson and he was the mixing engineer so that was the you know, just in charge of mixing. And then he even said that he was at a uh, party with Lars later on at the oh Rock and Roll God. Hall of Fame. And what does Lars say? We didn't really take the bass out of there, dude. He's like, yeah, man, what happened to the bass in this mix? Yeah. He was like, are you fucking serious? Uh, it was you guys. He, they so, were trying to put blame on yeah, him. Yeah, it's, it's... Yeah. Why, right now why it's a sabotage sort of your a blame shit? game. Yeah, maybe, why sabotage but, your shit? Again, they were probably drinking a lot. And this is fucking uh, alcoholica at this time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're just being dicks because they're fucking drunk and so hungover constantly. Turning, they just don't you know, feel good. They're going in there and uh, undoing what he's doing. He's doing his job, and then they're going in there and turning it down even more. Or what? Yeah. You know, so it's... It's ridiculous, it's, but this album's still good. I still yeah. like it. Going back, Blackened is awesome. If they were to ever find a way to get those original mix... Uh, tracks and remix it and bring up that bass. I 
the first day it came out and they released it, I would listen to it immediately. I would listen to the entire album because I would be that excited to like hear the difference and stuff because yeah, I love these songs, sure. but to hear it for real, you know what I mean? And it's not like they're not for real. These songs are still great, but in a way, like I'm after this, I don't think Blacken, yeah, I'm definitely gonna go back to, and there's a couple other songs I would love to just pop up in like a, a radio Spotify mix. Just a random mix, yeah. yeah. But to go out of my way to like go find this, probably not. You know what I mean? It's There's a lot of long songs. Yeah. And it does have a hollow sense of feel to it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I would be listening to this and I would just be like, fuck, I'm going to go to Kill Em All because I want to hear all the Kill Em All songs. Or I'm going to switch to Megadeth because in my mind, you're, there's two types of metalheads. You're a Metallica person or you're a Megadeth person. Me, sir, I'm a Megadeth person. And I'll do a lot of like dickhead metalhead things where it's like, oh, Metallica, fucking fuck the blackout. And that sucks. But at the end of the day, I do love Metallica. They're a fucking great band. Um, I love kind of all their stuff. I, I had all those 90s CDs, and I don't mind the song Fuel. You know, it's oh, like, The 90s era Metallica? Yeah, yeah. I, even the Garage Inc. I, I listened to that a lot. Um, again, this was stuff I listened to when I was a kid a lot. And, and to go back is not... Yeah. I don't really go back too much, besides for Kill 'Em All, because I really do get excited about that album. And a couple of songs off of Ride the Lightning, too, where I'm just like, fuck yeah... And Master of Puppets, there's some songs where it's just like, oh, fuck, I haven't heard this in forever, you know? Like, they're when, Metallica. When you get you away the from, like... the biggest metal band in the world. You know, and doing all these album discussions and going through the songs that are not on the radio, listening to those, yeah. those are almost more of a, like... A, the deep cuts. The deep cuts. It's more of a, like, in, um, a description of the band, in a way. You know what I mean? Like, these, yeah, are, these the are the songs that, like... Yeah, for whatever reason, because they're too long and they were not going to be accepted on the radio or the context of them or the song, whatever reason, you know, they're the ones that we don't hear the most. So then they're the. It's, it feels like we're listening to them new, and we're also getting a new perspective of the band. You right. Know, if you if you've only listened to one, like if you come into this album brand new, fresh, I love I like. You've like, heard the, the three heard, singles. Heard the one, that one song they play on the radio. But never heard Blacken. I've never heard oh, Blacken. I think yeah. also plays on the radio. So I've only heard oh, those Blacken, two yeah. songs, and and I've never heard the rest of the album. I think if you picked up the album, those two songs while being on the same album, almost are different than the rest of the songs on the album because of how like just uh, thrashy and more raw underground kind right. of that garage sound than like one super produced song you know really great song but it has a lot of layers and elements and it's kind of not really as thrashy as the rest of the album like compared to black and how that starts up so it it's like it's, the spotify thing is awesome because now everyone in the world can listen to it the streaming platforms yeah. but a lot of times people are just listening to songs not the album when you bought this back in the day you rarely would you just go and just buy the single. Like a lot of people, I guess, did because I only want this one song, but you would just get the whole album, right? Like get the whole album. Then you, you loved that song on there. Like your favorite song was Harvesters of Souls. That was the first thing you heard. And then play the album because you want more of that. And you're like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. And you fall in love with the entire album because it was only one song that bring you in. But we're losing that nowadays yeah. because of the singles and the Spotify and people's intention spans. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, attention spans. 
that they just can't like focus on something you that's got, a ten minute long song. You gotta like, hope that you're. You gotta random. be a super fan. You gotta be a musician to really appreciate this. Uh, Metalheads, no. Metalheads, no. You know what I mean? Yeah. Metalheads will take the time to listen to a 10-minute long song. It's kind of like everyone else in the world. If you're not a metalhead, you just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's kind of like you kind of need that flow of albums. You Sometimes albums are... These songs are better in the album because the song before it, the song mm-hmm. after it really sets context you know, and it really sets up the song, the one before it, you know, like yeah. track three really set up track four and it made track four so much better because the whole time you're, you're anticipating getting to your favorite song, track four, switching over. So you're like, yes, this is awesome, but I can't wait till the, the end of the song and the next in. thing yeah. kicks in. And we kind of losing a little bit of that. So if I could give one piece of advice to any young listeners out there is, when you fall in love with a band and it's maybe just that one song, go find the album and listen to the entire thing because there is something that you might be missing that you will be very surprised to find. Mm-hmm. And, and you could start to fall in love with more of their songs and become a, a bigger fan because you, you hear a song that you love so much and what do you want? You want more of that. You want more of that band and you want more of that sound. So you're going to go and find it, you know? So anytime I hear something awesome on the radio, I'm like, I like this. And I go to the album and none of the other songs sound the same. It's very disappointing. You know yeah. what I mean? But this album's not like that. If I heard the one, I'd be like, this is kind of fucking lame. And then got the album and heard the rest, or my friend had the album and showed yeah. me. I'm like, well, actually, this actually, is fucking awesome. Actually, you know? Maybe yeah. that song is lame, but the rest of the album is not indicative of that one song. Exactly. So do yourself a favor. Like, yeah. listen to some things in order form. Like, don't switch around. Go from. The start of the song all the way to the end. We did that corn episode. I suggest you do that as well. Yeah. Start it how it flows, like because it really does have uh, maybe a meaning and it's like an overall message. And you, we should look at it as the album and not the individual songs. It's the stamp. Here's and justice for all. Yeah. It's not the one and then some other songs around it. It's and justice for all and the everything that comes with it. Yeah. It's just a goddamn shame they had to be dickheads and. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing more metal for sure. Yeah. I was super jazzed. I wanted we just wanted to headbang the whole time right before this. We were just listening to these songs and we were just fucking yes, yes, yes. And me and you being big thrash metal dudes, this is, you know, this is our niche. This is our these are the things that we love. Yeah. It's these type of bands. Uh you got any other final thoughts on this? Um, just uh, you know, shout be out. nicer to bass yeah, players. I mean, the album and closing thoughts seem to be, you know, I enjoyed it first listen. It seemed to, you know, get a following and a cult sort of status. Fuck up. Um, you know, shout out to the uh, artist Stephen Gorman. Uh, you know, it, iconic artwork. Shout out to Jason Newstead for Jason. fucking staying and fucking dealing with that shit yeah, and so putting up with it. You know? The whole situation. I mean, they were able to get this out of it. We got great. We got great songs, regardless of how they sound. The songwriting and stuff still yeah. holds up. So maybe um, one day we can cover some of these songs. That would be a, yeah, a challenge. Yeah, a beat, definitely a you challenge. You know what I mean? And we can add in some bass. <laughs> well, we'll fill in the bass. How about that? <laughs> we'll let Rob fill in the bass. Well, thank y'all for listening to this episode. Uh, we're going to end it on one more song. But before we do, I just want to say give us a like on the Instagram. We're at Bangover Productions. Go on our YouTube page. Give us a follow there. Give us a like on Facebook. And 
any other platform that we're on that I'm forgetting about. Uh, again, I'm Chris. I'm not Chris. No, You're I'm Chris. Chris. <laughs> I was like, am I Chris? <laughs> I'm Scott Allen. This is Chris Myers, and we're going to end it on... Harvester of Sorrow. Fuck yeah. Thanks, y'all.